Good to see everybody here, uh, 2019, what are we, January the 9th, is that right? Uh, what a great, or is it January the 8th today, okay? It's the 9th, well I wrote it down wrong when I wrote it down. Uh, so, we do not have uh, Tara here for the opening at least, she's still at work, gave us a heads up a while back, so. She pray. started the year off good. She started the year off good, that's <laughs> right. Uh, so you're stuck with us, um, and uh, hopefully we won't have too much testosterone. Uh, but uh, the number that you can text into a question or a comment is uh, 636-629-2526, 636-629-2526. Welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where uh, Bible study meets current day events and the such. We're going to dive right in. Um, unless you guys want to volunteer a story about Christmas or New Year's. I'm just getting my headset on, bro. You're just getting your headset on. That's right. It's 2019 already. Uh, Tom, you got anything? Uh, another year in the books that I didn't even try to make it to midnight. I think it was like 945. I was amen in bed. To, amen my kids that. made two of them, though. They made like Australia's and ours, <laughs> so they, they made up for it. This is like uh, Missouri weather on steroids. Seven degree, seven, seven degree, degree snow set at Friday and Saturday. You betcha. And, and even though the sun has been shining bright, there is a, a bite to the air uh, when you step out of the truck and the such. Uh, it, it was real pretty and nice driving around today. Uh, so topic number one, which is part two of our discussion on Michael Moore's um, article that he did a while back. This was basically at the end of 2019. Uh, he uh, started with a meme, uh, if you will, on forget getting Christ back into Christmas. I would settle, meaning speaking of, of himself, I would settle for getting Christ back into Christians. And he went on to basically explain that in his humble opinion, uh, I doubt that he said that, uh, he believes that quote-unquote Christians, true Christians, <laughs> praise God, have left, have left true Christianity. So the people that are claiming to be Christ followers and Christians, they're no longer following Christ. They're no longer acting Christian. And uh, even though um, I don't know that this was said, it, it has been said at other times from him, his main reason for saying that is because he does not like our support of conservative values. He does not like our support of guns. He does not like our support, certainly, of President Trump. And you just go right down the list. He doesn't like our support uh, of um, pro-life, uh, pro-family doesn't like any of those things. And he feels like, and, and you may or may not be aware of this, but the, the world has turned Jesus' words on their head, and essentially Christianity to them is anything goes, and Jesus loves you, period, end of story, and everybody gets to go to heaven because Jesus loves you, period. Well, that, that's not accurate. It's not biblical Christianity and the such. And so, you know, but we're, we've got no desire to sit here and bash uh, Michael Moore. The bottom line is Michael Moore, say again. We don't? No, we don't. <laughs> At least not with a microphone in front of us. But no, in, in truest reality, we, we don't. Uh, Michael Moore needs to be saved. Michael Moore needs to Amen. come to Christ. Michael Moore is going to live the rest of the rest of his life somewhere. And, um, you know, it, it took me a while, but I came to a place uh, in my Christian walk that, that I'm not allowed to hate anybody. Per scripture, Amen. I, Amen. I'm not allowed to hate anyone, and so um, not just that. Commanded to I'm love. commanded to love yeah. them. You better yeah. believe it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we check our brain at the door. It doesn't mean that we become a walking mat and the such. Um, and so we can still proclaim truth in love. And the two things that that uh, Tara had pulled out for us to talk about tonight. Uh, is Christianity and socialism the same, which is what he seemed to indicate. He, he went and saw the Pope, and he asked the Pope if, uh, if it was right to be in an economic system where there was such a disparity between the super wealthy 
and the super poor. And of course, Pope said no. And then he said, so is our system a sin? And apparently he said yes. And that was validation for Michael Moore. And um, at another time, uh, when Michael Moore was asked about his, why would he follow Hillary Clinton? Because he said, because Hillary Clinton's a Christian. And, and, sh and she's a socialist. He, he said she's a socialist. Right. And yeah, right. Yeah. And the guy said, well, I thought she was a Christian. And then he said the same thing. Right, yeah. He said she's not a socialist. She claims to be a Christian. He right. said they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk tonight about is Christianity and socialism the same? Uh, and, and, and so now I've got a bunch of, I'm sure we've all come loaded oh, yeah. for bear. But uh, Tom, go ahead and weigh in first. Well, Man, there's so much. I was just telling Ben, it's such a big mm -hmm. topic. I almost don't like discussing it here because you can't get all your thoughts out. You're just you going to get started up here. You just get started, get 15 yeah. minutes, bro. Well, we need to cook some maple syrup and spend <laughs> We actually like got 11 hours. minutes. 11 minutes. So my one thing is the definition of a Christian, I think, is lost. Um, you, we called a doctor practicing medicine, and I started basing on, because he said, because Hillary Clinton claims to be a Christian. So does Donald Trump. You know, so here, you know, because I was reading articles on who does the Christian vote for. Well, they both claim to be Christians. And the thing was, is I started doing a check on, I want to call myself a practicing Christian. Because there are there any true Christians? And what I'm getting at is I wrote down the Ten Commandments. And I read through like seven of, like seven of them I broke today. You know, and I'm like, if... I try not to keep track. Well, that's the thing. It's like, so am I a Christian? So I don't want to base the argument. Not me. I kept all ten. So when people say, Nine. I might, I, I do believe when people say, are you a Christian? I'm going to say I'm a practicing Christian. Right. I'm not a Christian. Amen. If I was a Christian, I'd look a lot more like Jesus, and I wouldn't break all sure. these every day. Sure. So I wanted to start my discussion with that. It don't matter if she claims she's a Christian or if Donald Trump claims they're a Christian. you got to take them for their word, you know. Now, we uh, the Bible does say we're supposed to judge those inside the church like God judged those outside the church. So with him saying uh, Christianity is like socialism, the definition of socialism is an economic system where the ways of making a living are owned by the society as a whole, meaning the value made belongs to everyone in that society instead of a group of private owners. And so... Which usually ends up being the government, government. owning it. Right. Yeah. In, in, most, in most cases. But, but with that definition alone, I looked at it like, that's the church. Sure. That is, our financial structure is socialism. Everybody owns it. Everybody puts into it. Everybody benefits from it. There's not one owner other than Jesus Christ. Sure, sure, sure. So I looked at it like on, on a word level, Christianity or the church is socialism. But it's... Michael Moore's argument is a earthly argument against a heavenly value. Does that make sense? Heavenly standard. So it's not apples and oranges. It's apples and bowling balls. Right. So, you know, that's where you can just get lost in what we're talking about because it really doesn't hold any weight. I think when you introduce man to any argument, so when the Pope says, is capitalism a sin? Is it run by man? Absolutely. There's entities and everything that when men in any avenue, sin is going to enter it. So there's sin in socialism, there's sin in capitalism, there's sin in conservative, Republican, Democrats. Totalitarianism. Yeah, you can't, you can't paint that broad brush over everything. And so I am, you know, throwing a, a bunch out there. But um, I mean, the one thing I put on the back was uh, Paul, when he was saying we must not judge the hidden purposes of the heart. And although it's fun to talk about Michael Moore, I guess I just don't put a lot of credibility into what he said. Because um, as other Christians, let me see, we're not to judge the hidden purposes of the heart of other Christians based on their decisions, actions, perspective, words, personalities, or concerns if those things themselves are not explicitly sinful. And I don't know if anything I just made sense. <laughs> but Come on, man. As long as it made sense to you, but Tom, on paper, that's what's important. On paper, I believe, yeah, I think you could say Christianity is like socialism in its basic tenets, but it's two different arguments. It Kevin? is. Yeah, and, and I'm taking the exact opposite uh, of Tom's stance here. I, I, I agree with your, with your uh, within the church, 
it appears to be a socialist system in that we share our, our resources. Sure. I disagree, and, and there, I, I think socialism and Christianity are exact opposites in the motivation. So, so social, socialism is a system where um, support for your fellow citizens is mandated by law. In Christianity, it's a voluntary system. Right. It's not, a, not just a voluntary system, it's a wanted, uh, coveted system where we enjoy. So it would appear, it would appear to be socialism. socialism. But right. are we not mandated by law from God? True. But is the, is the morality of a, a human government the same as the morality of the living God? Do you see what I'm saying? So, right. so well, and so here's the answer to that question, Tom. Was Ananias and Sapphira wrong for keeping part of the money when they sold the property in Acts chapter 5 or so? And the answer is no. Right. They and were I, wrong when they lied and said we gave it all. Right. You see what I'm saying? And I also think on the advocate side of Jesus destroys the socialist idea with the talents. When the master gave the ten talents to him, right. five talents to him, and one to him, he wanted them all to go out and work that's and bring it. something back. That, and that's, that's the capitalist. Yeah, no doubt. So, in, and again, the socialism versus uh, of the government, so the government establishing socialism versus God's mandated, not even God requires us to follow his law. He doesn't force his right. us to obey his law. Th there's, a, there's a love element that has to be there for us to want to obey him. He considers it love when we obey him. Um, so he doesn't force us to obey him. We His love language is obedience. A amen. Amen. So as, as an embracing of a relationship with God, obedience is part of that. So th there's a lot of uh, spiritual teasing out to do in the, in the discussion here. Tom, like you said, it, this is going to take probably a six-hour uh, discussion <laughs> with some lots of coffee. That's a year of Bethel Radio segments. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I mean about it. So, yeah, you can... So I, 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 took, I got a couple of written things here, and I, I'm Say I'll, I'll turn it over I'm to you. So, 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 yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Uh, so social, socialism is a mandated financial support of your fellow citizens. It is a form of indenturement. It robs the individual of the motive to improve themselves because the weight of everyone else on his shoulders is too much or too high a price. Christianity is a voluntary accepted or received or embraced standard that values your fellow citizen as equal to yourself. Any support voluntarily motivated, any support is voluntarily motivated by love. It is the ultimate expression of freedom, having the freedom to do what's right. Um, so there, there's a huge uh, uh, motivation to make sure that your fellow man or your neighbor is taken care of because they have the same value as you do and they are valued by God. When it comes to morality, the morality of the government is not the same morality of God. If someone is trapped in a lifestyle that is self-destructive or damaging to society, Christianity makes allowances for correction of, of that costly behavior. Socialism writes a check. To say that socialism is the same thing as Christianity is blasphemy because it's forced. God would never force us to love someone else. He, he doesn't even make, force us to love him. He, he inspires it in us and in, in, uh, indwells us so that we have the ability to love other people and support them. Well, and the, then the two sides of the coin, I think the same argument, Jesus said it best when he said, whose face is on that coin? Right. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's, render under God what is God's. And that's why I think it draws a line down the middle. We can talk about it, but in reality, it's two different laws. And, and, and I, I, I think that I, I, I would, what would the word be? I would draw the line and not personally say that I believe that Christianity and socialism is the same as much as we are certainly socialistic in some of our actions. Shared resources. You bet, shared yeah. resources. But I, but I do believe that it's not required by God uh, from the standpoint of across the board, you got to or else, this. right. It, we got to love. If you love we, We've got to love, right. Yeah. So here's my two cents. Uh, your governing and economic system has to align. So here's your two general choices for government and economics. Number one, self-government. And that's what we claim to have from the Constitution. Or dictatorship, whether by an individual or a government. There's some nations that are ran dictatorially through one person, and then there's some nations that are ran dictatorially through the government. 
uh, in the such. Well, so then your two choices for economics is capitalism, free markets, which that's what we claim to have, or socialism. You work for the government, and the government takes care of you. The government owns everything. With that said, if we were in a perfect world, socialism would probably be fine. If there wasn't a sin nature, right. socialism would probably be fine. When you introduce right. men into it, right. it goes corrupt. On any system. Any on, system. on any system, yes. right. Capitalist so anytime you try to mix these, socialism and free capitalism, uh, dictatorship and fr uh, self-government, you, you get problems. Self-government and capitalism works and created the greatest, wealthiest nation we've ever seen, America. But once we started mixing socialism in, we started the ruination of it, and it is to, and it is to blame, in my humble opinion, not capitalism. Seventy years ago, we started taking away the initiative from one-fourth of the population to now half with all the government programs, and that has caused the disparity between the poor and the wealthy. There's a large segment of our nation that their motivation to go make for themselves is gone because they get a check. And we're not here to disparage anyone that is getting government assistance. We're not here to do that. We're here to tell you, however, that God honors work and he blesses work. Hunger and need is a great motivator. By the sweat of his brow while That's he right. worked the fields. That's right. Uh, one of the pastoral epistles, Paul says, if he does not work to provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. Right. And an infidel, of course, is an unbeliever. Uh, so th th there's our two cents. Uh, Larry had a few things here. Let me read them real quick. Uh, Larry first weighed in uh, on when we were talking about the Catholics. I'm sorry, about the Pope. Uh, then the Pope lives in sin because he controls more money than most countries. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, when it comes to the Catholic faith, I'm out. I, I just simply don't know. Uh, but the one thing I see is Trump acts more like a Christian. Uh, and then on paper, socialism works great, but only on paper. Very good, Larry. All right. We'll, we'll uh, talk about the Pope on the paid after hours program. You guys <laughs> subscribe to that one. <laughs> well, and you know, we, we've drawn a, a hard, fast line at Bethel Baptist Church. We don't bash any denomination to the best of our ability um, and the such. Why? Because we want to reach all, all kinds. Right. And, and, but I have always reserved the right to speak against uh, a doctrinal stand or whatever the case may be. Uh, where the Bible speaks, I'm going to speak. Uh, so uh, now we're ready for I'm just saying. If you've got an I'm just saying, please text it in. You guys got one? I do have one. Tom, let's hear it. So I opened up my mail today, and I had a Nielsen survey. You ever got those? It's thick. The Nielsen ratings yeah. people. Yes. So yes, I was like, you know, I, I hate that stuff. So I opened it up, and there's a dollar in it. And I'm like, that is awesome. And it says, if you fill out this survey, it'll be quick. We'll send you 10 more dollars. So I sat at my kitchen table tonight, two hours. <laughs> so I made five bucks an hour. And at the end, they wanted my name and all that stuff. Wait a stuff. minute. Wait a minute. You went to the David Mayo School of Penny Pinching, didn't you? <laughs> so, but no, listen. David probably goes and steals those out of mailboxes. I told Lindsay that. I said, we can go down my road right now and make 15 bucks. <laughs> so, but no. So it took me two hours it. to fill this out because I was kind of curious on the stuff they were asking me. And at the end, they wanted my information, so I threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> you lost your 10 bucks. So Lindsay said, you just wasted Worked two for free. hours doing that. I was like, but I got a dollar. There you <laughs> so go. At there least you open go. up your Nielsen. Just say. Get the buck. Yeah. You got one? I got nothing. Uh, I got nothing, he says. So uh, I have arrived. That's my I'm just saying. I have arrived. If being quoted on the Internet and having your quote go, quotation marks, viral, means that you have arrived, then yes, I have arrived. You made it. The other, viral? The, the other night, uh, Dawn says, and, and I... She's not in here, so I don't know if I can tell you the whole story. But nonetheless, she said, hey, your statement yesterday in the sermon about if you can do it today, you can do it tomorrow. Uh, Shannon turned that into a hashtag and, and got a lot of comments <laughs> on it and such. And my joke to Dawn, and like I said, that Shannon's not in here, so we're, we're, I, don't, I don't like being mean to someone if they're not in front of me. <laughs> I said, I'm Good just policy. impressed that she listened. <laughs> and that was a joke. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Shannon is faithful to take notes uh, in every sermon. And so that was pretty cool. Uh, and, and I have honestly, God has used that. And, and to me, that's when sermons work best is when I'm listening. Um, and Amen. Uh, all week, that has, if, if I did it yesterday, I can do it today. Yeah. 
If I do it today, I can do it tomorrow. I used it, me and Lindsay, talking mm. about our eating habits. Yeah. You know, I said, do we eat bread today? No, we can do it tomorrow. That's right. You know, so. I, and, man, I'm telling you, uh, I, I do the lion's share of the cooking because of the job situation uh, with Dawn and such. Uh, I, it's difficult not to make, you know, bread with, with every meal. And it, then it's difficult Six not Flags to. had their big food sale, and I bought two cases of giant pretzels. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not bread, right? That's a pretzel. Feed that to the hogs. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, topic number two, fear. Uh, and I, I really, because I know that uh, Tara really had a, a heart for this particular segment. And this is something that we all can relate to. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how, quote, unquote, spiritual you think you are. We struggle with fear on a daily basis. So her first question was, uh, why is fear such a struggle? Uh, I'll start first this time and then let you guys weigh in. In my humble opinion, and we're just going to go through our questions, okay? So we'll, we'll do this one first. Why is fear such a struggle? To me, it's such a struggle because it's Satan's go-to. It, it's just his sugar stick, if you will. Uh, it, it's so effective. You know, if the curveball is working, keep throwing it, you know, type thing. Um, it, it is effective. It is more, and this, this is one of these things in, in, in light of what I just said with Shannon, I don't try to come up with sayings because I'm trying to be clever. I try to come up with sayings because I know that they, as mottos, they can be very effective. Fear is more comfortable than confident faith. You know, it, it's just easier to, to be fearful. It's easier to go, oh, I, I don't know, than I'm, I'm going to nail this. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, Jesus in me is going to absolutely knock this out of the park. That's not as comfortable as, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Uh, we are looking at our resources and not God's. Uh, and then lastly into this, we know our frailties. Now, I want to tell you that there is a certain level of knowing your frailties that is healthy, holy, and important. But when you give the devil uh, that same permission to knock you in the head with your frailties... That's when it's unhealthy and it's unholy. Comments? If you want a modern-day uh, contemporary inspiration for that is the, the movie A Secretariat. Um, so where, where she is feeling all the pre financial pressure that's coming down on her as her father's health has declined or passed away, and they have a horse that she believes is going to be all that and turns out to be all that. But before she knows it, it's going to be a champion, a triple crown winner. She, she said, we are going to walk forward confidently and live rejoicing at one point in that. And that's when they start singing, Oh, right. Happy Day. Oh, Happy Day. That, that movie is great for getting you out of that mindset of, oh, oh, my gosh, the world's caving in. I don't think God wants us to walk in fear. I don't think he wants us to be anxious all the time. I think it's a, a lack on our part of understanding his character or, or lack of faith on our part and what his character is all about for us, what his intent for us is. Um, I think in the United States, we're in an epidemic of fear, anxiety. Um, I think if you were to talk some, to some mental health professional, they would tell you that panic attacks, uh, anxiety are at an all-time high in the United States. And I think that has to do with the fabric of our, our culture. We, we've subtracted God from the mix, and, and of course, God is love. I think love is the should be the elemental bond between us all as neighbors, friends, uh, relatives in our, in our culture, but it's not. First um, John 4:18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has, has to do with punishment, and whosoever fears has not been perfected in love. As a culture, we have left that as a standard. So I, I think that's part of what uh, God warns about in Deuteronomy 28, when people will fear when nobody... People will run when no one is chasing them. Um, so, so that anxiety becomes uh, the, the default for a culture. Sure. Um, you're saying it's easier. I think it's our, our, our um, uh, natural man's default right. is to, to fear what you don't know, to fear what you can't have control of. Um, and so many people get to a, a good seasoned part of life or stage in life and have never really experienced the a, neighbor that loved them or uh, somebody other than a relative that loved them or took took a um, mm -hmm. took time to get to know them and and spend time on them 
developed a relationship that was loving with them other than, than a uh, blood relative. Tom? Um, uh, with, with like love language, um, love your neighbor as thyself. Mm -hmm. I think we forget if we're not loving ourselves, we're not, right. we can't love anybody else. And sure. that goes along with fear. I think we've lost the definition of fear. The One of my go-to scriptures, our beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Right. I don't think we understand what fear is anymore. We've made it our own little pet fear. Sure. Um, and, you know, uh, who can, why fear the one that can destroy your body? Fear the one that can destroy your body and your soul. Cast your soul into hell, you bet. And then um, I, I put on here, like we have uh, Mountain Dew and Mountain Dew Light, you know, fear, fear light is procrastination. I think it's little things we're afraid to do. We just put it off and that's it. all of us all the time. But um, that's I, and one of my cures for fear is, oh, ye of little faith. You know, I, I hear Jesus when he's walking, when Peter's I'm drowning. And I so I try anytime I get that fear of anything, you know, I feel like I got a marble in my throat right now. So your mind's like, oh, it's throat cancer or it's this or that. You know, It does. That's what happens to us. Like, you know what? One of those it is pretzels. what it is. I'm right. going to drink some water. It is probably too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take it easy on them pretzels, Tom. Yeah. So you, you hit on something there that, that's extremely important. Um, I used to joke, you know, my, my brother who's deceased, he is the king of procrastination, and I sit on the right-hand throne. I, I can talk to you about procrastination. And I heard in college uh, one of the, you know, like Charles Stanley or whatever, because most people want to – claim and point to a procrastinator and say they're lazy it's not it it's what you said they're they don't know how to proceed on that particular thing so instead of sitting down and and doing the hard work and, and figuring it out they put it off you know and, and and it's not right and it's not good but but it's not laziness it's fear you know, and it can certainly look like laziness because right. you're putting it off. And, and nine times out of ten, I think it would be fear of failure. Right, no doubt. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm yeah. scared to death of this Easter walk. I sure. might not show it, but it's like we're just going to – Steve Reed the other day, he, you know, and, and he, you could see those fears and those sure. anxieties. And he said, Tom, it don't have to get all done to see it. Right. You know, so when, and it's good to talk to people. We do need a script, but I'm not – Yeah. Coming February 1st. <laughs> Messing with you. Yeah. So, it's all so good. My uh, my – my, uh, I guess, recipe when I'm anxious, when things are building up, I have just kind of a general state of anxiety uh, is, is scripture. I use yeah. scripture to get me through it. So for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and a sound mind. It's God's default for us to have a, a feeling of power and love and sound mind. So I, I need to address whatever circumstances bothering me. And yeah. And that comes with spiritual maturity. You bet. And that's where, like you said, when you become a Christian, you're still going to sin, but you can sin less. But with spiritual maturity, that fear, it's going to always be there, but it should not consume you. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Gavin, question number two is fear of sin. You know, I, I think acting on it can be, and I think making decisions based on it. I, I came to the conclusion about five years ago, if I'm making a decision, decision solely out of fear it's wrong I, I, i'm making a bad decision if it's only influenced by fear or anxiety um so i think you, i think fear and anxiety can push you out into to sin it can get you off the path that god has before um the devil uh prowls about as a roaring lion right. seeking whom he may devour uh that roaring lion is the one that trying to scare you off of the path into right. the into the brushes where the the, the real hunting uh, lions are waiting for you. So, right. um, I would say lean not on your own understanding. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so if you're going into a situation, lean on him. If it's a, if it's a spiritual or a correct path in your life, God's going to bless it and you won't fail. And if you're fearing something and it's consuming you and that's all you live for, like hypochondriacs and all that, that's in my mind no different than an idol. Worship right. no other gods before me. You've made that your God, that you're worshiping this fear. Can fear keep you from sinning? Uh, the gang well, of so wisdom is fear, is fear of the fear Lord. Of sin. <laughs> so, so, so the opposite, the, 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 the right fear, the healthy fear can keep you from sin. Yes. Uh, because, you know, what Tom's already quoted, the fear of the Lord is the gang of wisdom. That's obviously a different fear and a different type Respect, of fear yeah. than the fear of things going wrong or 
whatever the case may be. So uh, very quickly, uh, Christina Fogg put in here, I heard on Joy FM that there are 365 verses in the Bible that talk about fear, and that is my answer here on is fear a sin? Yes, if God says fear not, then fear is a sin. I'm told that 365 times in the Bible, uh, either fear not or its equivalent are listed in the Bible. But then Jamie Frossard makes this uh, question, but what about when the worst thing happens again and again and again? What's your answer to that? So, uh, again, it's, it's a matter of working through it. I, I think, so, we've had this discussion before. Whenever you've had the worst happen to you, the next time something, a situation starts to look that way, you go right to the worst case. Well, when the worst has happened to you, you, you get ready for the worst thing to happen to you. I think that's a mistake. I think that's something you can get in a habit of doing, going right to the worst thing, and then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so, so you assume right away that the worst thing is going to happen. You, you have a, a, like a marble in your throat, and you right away go to cancer. Pretzel. Uh, just a pretzel. pretzel. Just need a good drink of water. Um, so, so, so if it keeps happening again and again, I think there's something that God's working on. I think God's, if the worst uh, case scenario is happening to you, um, I think there's God's work in there. Amen. So, yeah. Well, and uh, if it's the right one here, I'll quote it first. I will not tempt you beyond your ability, but I will provide a way for you. Of escape. Of escape. And the way, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. So if, the, going back to her question, if the worst keeps happening, 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 it might just be making you stronger, you know, right. to possibly conquer something that's even harder in the future. Right. And, and, Jamie, I'm going to... Uh, in my humble opinion, I would launch into a study of God's Word in tests and trials. I truly do believe tests and trials are completely different than temptation. Uh, I believe Because the Bible says that God will not tempt any man to sin. But He does try us and He does test us. Uh, the Bible refers to us as gold and He heats us up to the point that he can pull the dross off and the such. Uh, but you're the only one that can determine if that's what's going on. And, and I, I've preached on that before. To me, this is one of the most pivotal areas in your life to, to really get down to the nitty-gritty with God and his word to determine what's going on. Because if he is thumping you in the head because of a sin, well, I mean, that's an easy fix. <laughs> Once we figure out what that sin is, we're done, you know. And there's a process God goes through of pruning, too, that's no painful. Doubt. It, it may not be sin. But it's completely different it than is, sin. It is. And if you confuse that, now you're thinking, okay, God, you're thumping me and I'm not sinning. He's not thumping you. He's pruning you, you know. Uh, that's why we're getting snow this Saturday <laughs> that's, on, that's our, right. <laughs> on our work day. <laughs> on our work day. And I'm praying for snow, but yeah. I'm messing with you. Yeah. Now, let, let, me, let me say this, too. Sometimes it's not any of the above. Right. Amen. It's getting you in a position. I, I'm going to tell you, this, this, is a, this is a whacked out opinion of mine. And, and Jamie, I'm not going to try to say in your situation that this is what God, I'm not saying that. I'm telling you that it is in the economy of God in some situations to put you and I in extremely difficult to put us in a room with a person that needs to hear from God and we're the mouthpiece. I believe that. Amen. Now, whether he'll go to that extent, what you're going, I, I wouldn't say. That's between you and God. Uh, one, go ahead. one more thing. Uh, so just the way we're made, we talked about that going right to the worst, uh, the assumption that the worst thing is going to happen. Um, that's a, a principle of experiencing pain physically and uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Whenever you've gone through something really painful, you tend to remember it at, at the maximum level that you have experienced it. So when you get a similar symptom or circumstance, you go right to that level of anxiety and pain, and you, you think that that level of loss is coming back again. It's, it's a, a way that God has made us so that we protect ourselves from, it happen, from us getting in situations where it brings it on. So, so the, thi the thing to Which work on here is remembering that in the, even in the worst, most extreme cases, that God is there, that Jesus is there, that he's able to be with yes, us. Sir. And one of the things that I, I now rejoice in from, from going through the worst thing happening to you 
is keep going. She's she's live. Oh, okay. So so the some of the worst things that you can go through, remembering that Christ is there. Years past, but looking back, you have a camaraderie with Christ, having gone through that. Just like somebody had gone through a battle uh, with you, you have an instant camaraderie with that. I experienced that when some of the guys that uh, we had a reunion, basically, of our football team, we instantly had that camaraderie again because we'd fought battles together, we'd won together, we'd lost together. I have that, I have that to some degree with Christ. I don't want to belittle my relationship with Christ or, or belittle him in any way. But now I rejoice in the fact that he was there with me through all those battles. Right. And, and I have got a lot of confidence now in our relationship because having, him having been there and seen me through it, I, there's just no way to describe the camaraderie. Two little quotes that have helped me uh, kind of along those lines is, um, like if you're praying for patience, sometimes God will just give you something to be patient about. You know, so you got to see how, I don't he's, like that. how he's working. But the, one of the little quotes that you see on Facebook, this was years ago before Facebook, but it was, instead of praying for easier paths, pray for stronger shoes. And that has really helped me look into the situation like, sure. God, just help me crush this. So, Tara, we are uh, within the third question uh, on fear. Uh, we have answered, well, to the best of our ability, uh, why is fear such a struggle and is fear a sin? Do you have anything you want to weigh in before we go to the third, uh, the, the one go-to answer? Yeah, I did. Um, can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. They're all shaking their heads. As best I can see, I don't have my glasses on. I, th all right. I, I think we're good. Well, I heard... Um, a sermon by Jimmy Evans, and he was talking about fear and how he talked about his own battle and how he overcame fear. And he said that you can only give away what you have, mm. and the devil only has fear to give away. Like, he, he can only give, he can give away fear because that's what he's got. And so he gives, he whispers fear to us. He, he likes to play a video of what if could happen to your kids, to your marriage, to your job, to your health, to your finances. You like to show us these fear videos uh, in our minds constantly because that's all he has to give away. And God has peace to give away. And while the world offers medicines and, you know, at best we can maybe control anxiety and we can control worry with, but God has the cure if we just uh, will take it, and his. Of course, it's trusting in God and having uh, when when attacked with fear. And I think often we are more often than we um, admit. I, if I could have back every night I spent awake worrying about something, I would look at least fifteen years younger for sure. For one, <laughs> at least, uh, or at least. But for but for two, that makes me look like she's twelve. Fear. Yeah, you'd look twelve then. That wouldn't be I good for maybe, John. Uh, maybe 11 and a half at best. Uh, I would say that I've been robbed, and I think a lot of us, if we really think about it, we have been robbed of so many uh, restless nights. Uh, we've been robbed of times we should have been enjoying our family and our friends, but we're fearing something or we're caught up in worry. Um, and I think that, I think, number one, a problem well stated is a problem half solved. And when you have to recognize what is, God doesn't give away fear. In fact, throughout the Bible, repeatedly, fear not, do not worry, do not be anxious for anything. He's constantly telling us, do not fear, do not worry. He's commanding it. Um, which oh, is why happy I day. Question, is fear a sin? Because if God has told us repeatedly not to do something and we're doing it, I mean, we're acting... Um, we're acting in a way that he doesn't want for us. He wants us to be in peace. Um, so overall, my point, I guess, in all of that was just to recognize, your, my go-to answer would be recognize that fear is from Satan and not from God, and immediately um, turn the worry into a prayer, immediately. And um, that's a prayer God wants to answer for us because he wants us to be in peace. Very good. So uh, one thing to piggyback on that is the concept, I learned this from Bill Gothard, uh, to have prayer targets. Uh, it, because what Tara is saying is absolutely accurate, and so that, so what that is is it's an attack. When you launch into fear and the devil's playing that video, he's attacking you, and we need to recognize it for what it is and respond. Uh, the Bible says, if we'll submit to God, resist the devil, he must flee. 
So what do you have in your arsenal ready to go when the devil attacks? I have certain prayers that I just start praying. And, and the devil don't want you praying. And so that's a good way to back him off, if you will. And uh, praying scripture. Like, just in your mind, immediately have the scripture. My go-to lately, because I'm at war with this fear. I am waging war against it. And mine recently has been, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's given me a sound mind. This is what I'm feeling is what Satan wants me to feel, not what God wants me to feel. Very good. That's the quote of the night. Uh, Brother Gavin has read it twice, and now you've done it. It's my go-to also. There you go. Uh, all right, so go to your number one go to to answer for reoccurring fear, Tom. Um, again, is oh ye of little faith. I'm just because uh, all things reoccur in one way or another. All things old become new again, and I just I just go to that one, and it reminds me how to deal with it. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Amen. 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 I still I stole your uh, quote from Jerry Jolly. I'm either going to worry about it or pray about it. I'm not going to do both. Do both. You're wasting your time when you're doing both because one cancels out the other. What's the point? So my go-to is cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Uh, And that, of course, is the same passage that talks about the roaring lion. That comes right out of nature. The old toothless lion will set up on a game, uh, a gazelle or whatever, and he'll roar, scare that little animal to death, and that little animal will run on an escape route where the lionesses, the young lionesses, are waiting. And so your best approach when the uh, lion, the old devil, roars is to stand your ground. Oops. We lost uh, her. We lost her. Is to stand your ground and claim the truth in God's word. Um, I will say this, uh, Jamie, uh, Christina Fogg uh, texted in for uh, that a Job Bible study might do very well if you've never launched into one of those. And we actually have some of those from, um, it'll come to me, the guy that we used to always Journey do on Wednesday night. Journey, Journey mm-hmm. series, Tommy Heigl. They're over there on my shelf. It's a Job series. It's very, very good. Um, say again. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, we've turned into a support group. That, that's, very, that's very good. It's very, right. socialistic. It's, it's very socialistic. It's very socialistic. We're good socialists here. Charge no money will exchange charge hands. Charge $25 to make it a capitalist system. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even better, she some, only pay Ted some other so Christian she... pay it. Yeah, there you go. Amen. <laughs> All right, got to get Tara back on the phone here. She made the program 75% better. Oh, no doubt. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay. It helps if I can operate these things. So, um... The uh, I, I did some little calls to action on how to cast all your care upon the Lord. Uh, first of all, uh, make a choice to transfer the anxiety to the Savior. Now, I know that sounds simple, but it's, it's a choice. Choice to transfer the anxiety to the Savior. B, don't respond to the roar. When the devil roars, don't respond to it. He's a toothless lion. C, Past now, now, and this is in reference to the following verses that says, um, knowing that the same sufferings, so I guess we're not going to get her back online. She may be going through that one part of Merrimack River. Uh, Whom withstand steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings are accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. So that past victories validates future expectant victories. If anybody has ever had victory in Jesus, certainly I can too. Amen. I mean, you know, we, we want to put Adrian Rogers up on a pedestal. He's in the same sorry flesh that we are. If, if he lived for the Lord, we can too. Anything well, else, guys? I had that experience just in the last two months where, you know, the anxiety was building and building and building. What if this? What if this? What if this? And I, I just came to the point, I just said, God, what if? You know, all these things that, that were coming to mind. And then I flipped the radio on and the, the song was, you. Ha- the words were from the song, you have never failed me yet. Just write it. <laughs> right in the line with that. So here's Tara on mine. And, and, and oh, I, and I there. Think we need to be very sensitive also. You there? Yeah. Oh, here, here we go. Me off. What the heck? Man, I don't know. <laughs> this is a church phone, so I, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Are you on Would You Rather? Like, Would You Rather do the 
show without me or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom with said, I'm, I got to say, Gavin's quality, however, is not near as good as the quality on my phone. It's true. But nonetheless, um, Tom said that you made a 75% difference. It's in a capitalist phone. <laughs> oh, this is a capitalist phone. I guess I've got a socialist Social phone. phone. Uh, it works better. But so we are actually now to, uh, to the Would You Rathers. Do you have a Would You Rather? driving home on 47 and it's not three o'clock in the afternoon i'm gonna say would you rather drive through union on highway 47 at 4 p.m or would you rather just drive your car directly off a cliff (laughs) (laughs) cliff cliff (laughs) same result in a lot of cases uh all right tom you got a would you rather i do not gavin you got a would you rather so would you rather have guaranteed health to 85 or guaranteed wealth to 65. That's interesting. Oh, so now you're trying to determine if we're socialists or, or yeah. capitalists. <laughs> See, it all yeah, the real capitalists are going to I'm going to have to say health because yeah. I've done pretty well without wealth up to this point. <laughs> yeah. I did have one. I remember now. I'd say health. So I, I would take, I'd take health wealth. Would you health. take health or wealth? Health. Health. All right. Very good. Yeah. Well, what would you take, Tara? Oh, health for sure. Health. Yeah. There you go. So, Oh, yeah. There you go. So I remember mine now. Would you rather lose one year of your life, 365 days, or relive the same day for 365 days? Do we get to pick the day? Sure. Pick which day? That's easy. I'll do the, I'll I'll repeat 365. That's my my best day, yes. (laughs) Best day? I guess if you could choose your best day, that's no brainer. So, uh, which would you choose, Tara? Uh, do I get to pick the year? I mean, I can yes. pick the year I'd like to just get rid of altogether. That's fine. <laughs> take take out your lowest score and then average the rest. <laughs> yeah, take out your worst year. Yeah, there you go. All right, so mine's kind of got a winter theme. Would you rather stick your tongue to a freezing pipe or your fingers? So you're going to lose skin on one, either your tongue or your fingers. Man. Tongue, I guess. I gotta use my hands too much. I right. can't go without food. Slowly. Right. So I would do the tongue as well. What about you, Gavin? It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> the tongue. It hurts. I can't. I guess I, I probably. I was thinking my fingers. I probably don't think I could live with a finger patch off my finger. I've done both, and the tongue hurts <laughs> a lot worse. So. We're, we're Show me the fingers. It's, it's worse <laughs> with the tongue, isn't it? It is it worse hurts. with the tongue. That burns. Oh, it dude. Does. And you just got to, like, pulling off a band-aid. That's all you can <laughs> do. All right. So our third segment here at 746, King Herod. So uh, when it comes to who is he, that's our first question to us. I've got an excerpt here to read, but would you guys rather? I can hold that if you want. Before you read? Do you have oh. a fault of how I'm holding No, it? I was trying to make it easier on you. Sorry. <laughs> Try to move a book and hold on. I see. It's social sport. We got to yeah, share this right. responsibility um, here. I will ask for help, Tom. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, so here's Herod. Uh, this family, though of Idumean origin and thus alien by race, was Jewish in faith. Herod the Great was the second of Antipater and Antipater and Idumean, who was appointed procurator of Judea by Julius Caesar. B.C. 47, immediately after his father's elevation, when only 15 years old, he received the government of Galilee and shortly afterward that of uh, Chloe, Syria. Though Josephus says he was 15 years old at this time, it is generally conceded that there must be some mistake as he lived to be 69 or 70 years old and died B.C. 4. Hence, he must have been 25 years old at the time. In B.C. 41, he was appointed by Antony Tetrarch of Judea, forced to abandon Judea the following year, he fled to Rome and received the appointment of king of Judea. In the course of a few years, by the help of the Romans, he took Jerusalem and completely established his authority throughout his dominions. The terrible acts of bloodshed which Herod perpetrated in his own family were accompanied by others among his subjects, equally terrible from the number who fell victims to them. According to the well-known story, he ordered the nobles whom he had called to him in his last moments to be executed immediately after his decease, that so at least his death might be attended by universal mourning. It was, it was at the time of his fatal illness that he must have caused the slaughter of the infants at Bethlehem. 
Matthew 2, 16 through 18. He adorned Jerusalem with many splendid monuments of his taste and magnificence. The temple which he built with scrupulous care was the greatest of these works. The restoration was begun B.C. 20, and the temple itself was completed in a year and a half. But fresh additions were constantly made in succeeding years, so that it was said that the temple was built in 40 and 6 years. John 2.20, the work continuing long after Herod's death, Herod died a terrible of a terrible disease at Jericho in April B.C. 4th at the age of 69 after a long reign of 37 years. So that, that's just a historical approach as to who this guy was. Yeah, I, I just did the Wikipedia approach, and the, he, he was a political player from the beginning. He divorced his one wife and banished his that wife and the child that he had by her, banished them so that he could marry for power mm -hmm. uh, to maintain his grip on Jerusalem. He arranged the assassination of somebody who was trying to persuade Mark Anthony to give them the Judea. He arranged for their assassination. He was just a, a, a dark political player from the beginning. Right. And, uh, I mean, and you talk about jealous rage. Uh, if anybody threatened the throne, they were dead. They were gone. Uh, and so he, he, was, he was something. Tom or... Well, I was just curious. Why don't we teach more of that? Because it puts, it makes it more than just a story. Sure. I never knew that. It's like, where'd they find that? You know, so what, what else do we not know about some of these people? Right. I guess it, it, it's interesting. Well, that, go ahead, Terry. King Herod, <clears throat> King Herod wasn't really, I mean, he was over the Jews, if you will, but he was not a Jewish king. He was only part Jewish. Correct. He was given his throne by Rome. Right, correct. And wasn't even of the line of David. So the Jewish people really didn't accept him, even though he was he rebuilt their temple. He also rebuilt temples to other pagan gods. And I mean, he was just a ruthless killer and the people hated him. Um, and he was just a bad man. <laughs> so I, I don't know. History and the Bible line up to um, agree with each other that he Though he did some things to make Jerusalem look good, he just did a lot of killing in the process. Correct. He was um, very much hated, like you say, by the, uh, if you will, common folk. He was unfortunately liked by the power brokers uh, in the higher parts of Judaism because he brought peace between you know, Jerusalem and Rome. Uh, but he was, as you say, I mean, he just was ruthless, and he was he he was getting his significance and security from his title. That's all there is to it. So the next question you posed was, what was his big issue? And I would have to say, jealousy and pride. Yeah, and paranoia for yeah. loss of power. Where we can see that nowadays. Yeah, and I kind of took it and tied it back into fear. His big problem was, and Jimmy Evans again said this about you will regret every fear-based decision that mm. you make. If you make a decision out of fear, you will regret that decision. And his decisions were based out of fear. Maybe he was jealous, but ultimately his fear was losing his throne. He wanted to hold on to his title and his kingdom with everything he had, and he'd kill anybody around him just to make sure. And thus, while Jesus, uh, with Mary and Joseph, of course, had to flee because they were warned by God, this is coming. He's going to kill all these kids because he's afraid he'll lose his throne. And uh, that's why they had to flee to Egypt. So something with, with all that context, Tara, the, the thing that keeps coming to our mind is God's brightest jewel was born in the darkest of political environments. I mean, you couldn't have more ruthless, dark um, tyrant in charge and yet God's will proceeded just as he had planned. Nothing stopped it. Um, he, the three wise men were warned not to go back to him. God made provision for them as well as uh, Mary and Joseph to leave uh, Bethlehem to go to Egypt for, for protection's sake. Uh, just in case word got out that, that um, here, here, um, where they went. And here, I'm sure his... Uh, power did not go into Egypt. I'm sure that was a huge barrier for him to go into Egypt oh, to try no to doubt. find him. So, yeah. And he wouldn't try to... Well, that would have caused all sort of political fallout issues. For him, yeah. yeah, fallout, that's a good word. So uh, I apologize, Terry, you're not here, so this wasn't done uh, appropriately. This segment is our running week-to-week -week segment 
on the life of Jesus. And we are in the area now of Herod uh, when he made his edict to slaughter uh, all of the boys in the range of two a year years old to, and younger. Yeah, mm -hmm, two years old and younger. So uh, she next asks, how did this affect Mary and Joseph? Tom, you got an opinion on that? You know, I think it was probably a collective fear with Mary and Joseph, but their fear, I don't know if we could tie it into the fear of the Lord because they listened and they trusted him, but right. they were fearful their child would be killed. So that's where you kind of got it. We were talking earlier, you got to decipher your options because you can't just sit there and say, God's going to protect my son as an army comes in and slaughters all the boys. So their fear was righteous in knowing, trusting God and fleeing. So just kind of put them on the hot seat. To yeah, fear's not, not all fear is bad. God gives us, uh, you know, awareness of the possibility of loss, which, you know, would, right. would that be a healthy fear. You bet. You, there is a healthy fear. Uh, real quick, I missed one from Larry here. Fear of God refers to fear or a specific sense of respect, awe, and submission to a deity. And then uh, in reference to Herod, uh, Larry says, he did anything to keep friends with Rome and folks in charge. And I did miss this one from Kathy James on your uh, whoever's would you rather about the health or the wealth. Oh. Kathy said health is wealth. Amen. Amen. Juice plus she, there. You nurse. <laughs> she just made the program more better. She made the program more better. You bet. All right, Terry, you want to weigh in on how it affected Mary and Joseph? that my son will come out of Egypt or out of Egypt will come my son and I mean even in the midst of Herod being this awful person yet again here now Mary and Joseph end up uh, born in Bethlehem uh, by you know just political circumstance and now he's in Egypt also by political circumstance all tying into prophecy that these things would happen yeah and, and that's Gavin was alluding to that earlier uh, God is not limited by evil actors he he, he he can use them as pawns play them to, like to do his will you bet um so my answer to how did it affect mary joseph is pretty simply it uprooted their lives you know it did but they were already uprooted in you know bethlehem uh to go there for the census you know yeah. and then it was prophecy as tara said it was i think it was for life lessons they, they learned some lessons they couldn't have learned any other way uh, and, and it was to prove provision. He took care of them uh, in Egypt. So then the next question was, uh, when did they leave Egypt? Uh, the simple answer is sometime uh, after, or when did, when did they leave to go to Egypt? Uh, sometime after he was 40 days old because he went to the temple um, to, to be circumcised. circumcised. And then after that is when he got the warning. And then when did they return? Uh, after April B.C. 4, because that's when Herod was dead. Something else, too, in just studying this is that Joseph was told in a dream that if you follow, if you have a chance to read that, um, he was again warned in a dream. First, he, um, in a dream, God told him that you're going to have a son. Mary is carrying a child that is divine in nature. And then he's told in a dream, take the child, go to Egypt to, for, to save the child. You've got to leave. And Joseph listened, and um, just in general, when we're when we're listening, when we're open to what God's prompting is, we follow it. I'm not saying He talks to us in dreams. Um, I I have dreams. Some are mostly dumb. Some are dumb dreams I remember. Some are dumb dreams I don't remember. But I don't personally feel like I get spoke to in dreams. But in this situation, I feel like Joseph was divinely. Um, it's it says he was uh, spoken to through a dream, and he was listening, and he obeyed God. So. Well, and, and there's a, an absolute biblical answer to that situation uh, because the word of God was not canonized yet. It was not completed yet. And so absolutely, uh, dreams and visions were one of the ways that God spoke to his people during that time. Uh, the Bible, Peter says, we have a more sure word of prophecy now. And so I'm not telling you that God does not, will not, cannot talk to you in a dream. I'm telling you that if you ever do believe God's talking to you in a dream, the first question to ask is, what did I eat for supper last night? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and secondly, can I validate this dream through the word of God? Amen. Yeah, yeah and I guess I should clarify, I'm, I'm, again, for sure, I'm not saying that God speaks to us through dreams, but God prompts us to do things you bet. today. And if we're listening to his prompting, 
we know the right thing to do. Like how you said, I heard you say repeatedly, I'm going to sin if I don't do this. I can tell God is prompting me in this moment that I need to say or do something. Uh, The uh, instant obedience to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's the definition of walking by the Spirit. Uh, very good. Well, we are real close to being out of time. Tara, thanks for calling in. Hope everything went well today at work, and be safe. Ah. <laughs> thanks. Sorry for the call in. No, no, it's all good. I, I, I like it. We used to do more of it. Uh, so have a great one. All right. See you next week. You betcha. All right. That's it for us. Oh, are we good? Thanks, guys. You guys texted in. Oh, wonderful.